As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. And we just, just introduced our late season pricing. You can choose from season long, four week or weekly packages that best suit your needs for the remainder of the season. Use code SHARP25 for 25% off any product site-wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal. Usually we start things off by talking about the big games, but I actually like some props from those games this week. So we're going to dive right into the player props, then we'll touch on the marquee matchups in a bit. Uh, going to kick things off with Julio Jones returning to action this week. And I like the over on Julio Jones' longest reception prop. This line hasn't been posted yet, but expecting it to be just slightly north of 20 yards, maybe 21 and a half, 22 and a half, something like that. Uh, Jones has missed the last month with a hamstring injury. Titans are favored by nine in this game at home against the Jaguars. And so based on the injury, based on the fact that this could be an easy win for the Titans, I don't like his receptions or yardage props in this game because I do think that there's a strong possibility that his uh, snap count is down a little bit. But I do like the combination of his usage and this particular matchup. And I think that he'll get some opportunities downfield. So the longest reception prop looks like a pretty good bet to me. Uh, So far this year in four of six games, Jones has had a reception of at least 20 yards. So he he was cashing in on those uh, deep ball opportunities early in the season when he was healthy. And he was getting a lot of opportunities. 29% of his targets came at least 15 yards downfield. And now that he's coming back with A.J. Brown still on the IR, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a pretty significantly higher share of the downfield targets. So that 29% rate could go up a little bit. It could, it could be that when he's on the field, that's when Tennessee wants to take a shot downfield. So he's going to get a few opportunities uh, to make some big plays, even though I think his uh, snap count could be down a little bit. Now, the other factor here is he's going to get some opportunities to line up across from a rookie cornerback. And as you know, we like picking on rookie cornerbacks. Uh, in this case, it's going to be Tyson Campbell, Jaguars rookie, and we've gone after him a couple times uh, this year. Campbell's been struggling. Uh, he's along at a 56.3% catch rate when targeted at least 15 yards downfield. That's the second worst rate in the league. Uh, and then there's another factor in this game is that obviously we know Tennessee likes to set up their deep ball with play action. The Jaguars have struggled to defend play action. They rank 25th in yards per attempt off play action. So the Jaguars defense as a whole is struggling to defend play action. We know Tyson Campbell has been burned a lot down the field this year. We think Julio Jones will probably see a pretty good share of the downfield opportunities that the Titans take in this game. Uh, That seems to be a lot of factors all lining up for us. Um, And I think if Julio Jones sees even just two or three targets downfield in this game, I really like our chances of him hitting the over on uh, this longest reception prop, which, as I said, hopefully it's available around 21 and a half, 22 and a half. That's typically where it was early in the season. And as I said, in four of six games, he had a reception over 20 yards. So this looks like a pretty strong bet if we get a number in that range. The next prop I'm going to get to is another longest reception prop, but this time I like the under a Noah Fant's longest reception. This line has consistently been available at 17 and a half. There's even been three weeks where it was available at 18 and a half. Uh, I'm a little disappointed I didn't pick up on this trend earlier in the season because 
Fant only has three receptions of 18 and more yards, and they yet this line continues to be posted at right around 17 and a half, 18 and a half. Uh, and obviously, he's been hitting the under a lot. Um, he's just not a downfield weapon, which makes sense. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't throw downfield a lot. Uh, he never has throughout his career, and obviously in this fairly conservative Denver offense, he's doing it a lot less. Uh, Fan actually only has seven targets at 15 or more yards downfield. So w- with him not being a huge you know, run-after-catch type of player, uh, if he's not getting those downfield targets, he's not going to have you know, receptions of 18, 19, 20 yards. Uh, he's only actually had two receptions at fi- on, on those seven targets at 15 or more yards downfield. Obviously, that's a combination of you know him not getting a lot of opportunities and also just Teddy Bridgewater. That's not a strength of his game. Um, and then also in this game against the Lions, the Broncos are 10-point favorites. So I don't think, you know, obviously this isn't something that they do often, even when they are throwing the ball at a higher rate, when they're playing from behind, fans not getting a lot of downfield opportunities. In a game where they're potentially leading by double digits early on and just kind of running the ball with Javante Williams to bleed the clock, I think Fant probably sees even fewer targets and it certainly decreases the chances that they're going to let Teddy Bridgewater take some shots downfield. So uh, in the Broncos' last three victories, Fant has four or fewer targets in each of those games. So he's just uh, – he's not playing a big role when they don't need him to. Uh, so this is a game where I think, you know, he probably gets a few opportunities early on uh, as long as the game script goes as we expect it to. The Broncos probably build a lead, and it's probably a uh, fairly slow, boring, low-scoring game and an easy Broncos victory, and, you know, Fant – you know, he probably has a couple of receptions, but he's not going to get downfield opportunities. And I think there's a really good chance he uh, goes under again. Now, as I said, this line has been consistently available at 17 and a half. I would, the fact that it hasn't adjusted yet, I would expect it to be there again. If for some reason the line finally drops a lot to like 14 and a half or something like that, which is probably a more appropriate place for it to be, you know, then maybe I stay away because, you know, he could certainly get, you know, a target at 10 yards and pick up a couple yards after the catch to hit the over on something like that. Uh, I would be concerned if it dropped out of that number, but if it's available at 17 and a half, even if it drops slightly to 16 and a half, I'm still on the under because he's just not getting those opportunities regardless of the game script. And as 10 point favorites against the lions, uh, you know, the game script probably works in our favor. He probably gets even fewer targets in this one. Now we're going to get to one of the bigger games, maybe the game of the week. Bills at Buccaneers, Bucks favored by three and a half in this game. And there's two props I like in this one, and they're somewhat linked. Um, and I want to just call back to last week's episode where I talked about uh, the Bills-Patriots game. It's only strictly talked about it last week because it was clearly the game of the week. I didn't have a strong lean, but I mentioned that one of the things I wanted to see was how does the Bills run game or run defense look? Because we had seen them get, get bullied a little bit by the Titans and the Colts earlier in the season. Uh, But then in all of their other games against weaker opponents, they were the bullies on the defensive side of the ball. So I wanted to see, you know, what, what was this defense? Is this a legitimately great run defense? Like some of their overall numbers tell us it is, or is this just a decent run defense that's capable of shutting down weaker attacks, but capable of getting exposed when they go up against a strong offensive line, a strong, powerful running game like they did against the Titans and the Colts. And I think we got our answer last week. Uh, The Patriots ran for over 200 yards in that game. Now you could say, well, that number's a little bit inflated because they just leaned into the run game. They didn't pass the ball at all. And yes, that's true. 
uh, in better weather conditions. Maybe they don't quite rack up 222 rushing yards because they would throw the ball more. However, when a team comes out and they just say, we're going to run the ball right at you every single play because we don't trust our quarterback in these conditions. If you're a good run defense, you stop them. And the Bills didn't do that. Now, they did get some key stops when it mattered. They certainly deserve credit for that. Uh, But they still, you know, the Patriots still controlled the clock. And that was a big part of that game. It's just the fact that the Patriots were able to run the ball, bleed the clock, had long drives. And the Bills just, you know, their defense just couldn't come up with big stops to get them off the field. They, They came up with key stops eventually on a number of those drives, you know, this is a good Bills defense. I'm certainly not going to make the argument that, uh, you know, this is a bottom tier defense by any means. They're, they're a solid unit, but, you know, we've seen in a bunch of games now, I'm really every game they've played against a physical, uh, you know, more sort of like a bully type run offense. The Bills defense has gotten bullied and it happened again. The Patriots said, we're going to run the ball at you and we dare you to stop us. And the Bills just couldn't do it. So, you know, I think I've seen enough now. It happened against the Titans uh, when Derrick Henry averaged 7.2 yards per attempt against them. It happened against the Colts when Jonathan Taylor ran all over them, over 200 yards. And then it happened, you know, to a slightly lesser degree against the Patriots because they did get some really big stops and key moments. But, you know, the, they still ran the ball fairly easily despite the fact that the Bills knew it was coming every single time. Um, so that to me is a big red flag. And I think the Buccaneers in this situation, uh, with a very good offensive line with a, another powerful running back in Leonard Fournette, I don't see why they wouldn't try to do some of the same. Now, obviously, you know, Tom Brady is going to do his thing. Also, they're not going to lean into the run too heavily when you've got Tom Brady and the weapons that the Bucks have, but I, the, they've got the, the running back and the offensive line to really dominate the bills. And I think that given what we've seen from them in recent weeks, I don't know why you wouldn't lean into that a little bit. I'll just throw out a couple numbers to really support that uh, bills running game or the bucks running game, Uh, excluding attempts inside the 10 yard line. The bucks are averaging 2.2 yards before contact per attempt. That ranks ninth in the league. So I think that, you know, we've seen the bills defense get bullied a little bit. I think this bucks offensive line is capable of doing that to them. So I think another factor here um, is we've seen uh, them lean into the running game a little bit more in close victories. Leonard Fournette has hit the over on his rushing yards prop in three of four games when the Bucs were winners by a touchdown or less. So I think this will be a fairly competitive game. I think the Bucs are capable of playing the role of bully a little bit in the running game. So with those two factors, I like the over on Leonard Fournette's rushing yards. That's available at 56 and a half. I think that's a pretty modest number. I think he could potentially go much higher over, over that, especially if the Bucks are maybe leading into half at going into halftime and they come out and really lean further into their run game in the second half. I could see a, a possibility of Fournette hitting that over pretty early in the game. Now, the other prop that I like in this game, it's somewhat linked, though I do think it's possible uh, you could, if you bet both of these, I think it's possible for you to split. Um, I like the under on Tom Brady's passing yards. It's available at 307 and a half. The Bills are obviously having some issues in their run game. I do think it's possible that the Bucks lean into that 
And so that's certainly a factor in why I like the under, because if they're going to lean more heavily on Fournette to try to take advantage of that Bills run defense, which has shown some weaknesses, possibly drives Brady's attempts and yardage down. The other factor is the Bills, although they have some weaknesses in their run defense, they do have a strong pass defense. They're actually holding opponents 68.9 passing yards below their average against all other opponents. That's the largest negative difference in the league. So teams have struggled uh, to have a lot of success passing the ball against this team. And that's the largest negative difference by a wide margin. As I said, they're 68.9 passing yards below the average. The next on the list is 49.7. That's the Carolina Panthers. So almost a 20 yard difference there. Um, The only quarterback to hit their over in their passing yards prop against the bills this season was Mike white in week 10, a pretty random one to do it. But you know, obviously Tom Brady is capable of it. If for some reason the the Bills jump out to an early lead and the Bucs are forced to play from behind, you know, we're probably going to lose this because Brady is certainly capable of throwing the ball on anyone's defense. Uh, the Bills are not such a dominant unit that they're going to, I think they're going to completely shut Brady down. I think this is more just a situation where I don't, I don't think the Bucs are going to need to throw the ball at that rate for Brady to hit the over at the 307 and a half passing yards. So I think that's a good situation. And because these are linked a little bit, I think there's uh, a pretty good chance that we win both of them. But as I said, I do think it's a possible to split. I don't think it's a situation where you're either going to win both or lose both. Um, because I, I I think really regardless of the situation, Bray is probably going to go under, you know, maybe the bills bounce back. Maybe their run defense really steps up. Maybe they shut down Leonard Fournette, but if they're, if their defense steps up and plays a great game, you're probably also getting the under on Tom Brady. So I think this is a really good opportunity here where uh get a great chance to get both of them. Uh, but, you know, I think worst case scenario is a split because I feel very strongly about the under on Tom Brady's 307 and a half passing yards. The next big game is Rams at Cardinals. Cardinals favored by two and a half points. And the prop I like from this game is the over on Daryl Henderson's rushing yards. Now this line has dropped for three straight weeks. The under has hit in three straight weeks. Last week it landed at 65 and a half. And that's one of the reasons why I like the over in this game, because it's been sort of trending in the wrong direction, but I don't necessarily think it's because there's like a significant weakness or anything like that. I, I think that this is, I think Henderson is still capable of having a really good game, especially in a good matchup here. So I'm hoping this line lands anywhere under 70 yards. And, you know, based on this trend, as I mentioned, I think there's a pretty good chance we get a number there in the sixties. And I definitely like the over in that situation. In, in addition to a trend driving the line down, which I think helps us. That's one of the reasons I like it. I also just think this is a fantastic matchup for Henderson. It, it's obviously well established that the Rams lean on 11 personnel. of Henderson's carries come in 11 personnel. He's averaging 4.6 yards per attempt out of 11. That plays right into Arizona's weakness. They rank 31st in the league in yards per attempt allowed versus 11 personnel, giving up 5.3 yards per attempt. So you've got what the Rams like to do. They like running the ball 11 personnel, perfectly matching up with Arizona's probably biggest weakness on defense as good as they have been on the defense side of the ball this year. That's obviously ranking 31st and giving up 5.3 yards per 10 versus 11 is a big red flag. And that's something that, you know, a smart coaching staff is going to try to exploit. And I certainly think the Rams are going to try to do that. Now the Cardinals are favored in this game, as I said, so we do run into the potential for a negative game stripped 
uh, driving down Henderson's attempts and possibly, uh, you know, forcing us to uh, lose out on this bet. But in week four, when the Cardinals pretty much dominated that game, Henderson had 14 carries for 89 yards, averaging 6.4 yards per attempt. So that makes me even more confident that we don't necessarily need the game script to go our way for Henderson to hit the over because he's still going to get some touches. I don't, I don't think that you know, Arizona's going to jump out to like a huge first quarter lead and force the Rams to throw the ball 80% of the time or anything like that. I think this game is, you know, even if Arizona wins, even if they control the game throughout most of it, I think it's likely close enough that Henderson's going to get 14 or so carries as he did in that first game. And he already proved an ability to run the ball fairly easily against Arizona. So now the other thing that I have thought about with this game, I don't necessarily, I don't think I'm going to bet one side or the other before the game starts, but this could be a live bet situation for me. If the Rams get an early lead, maybe because we think the Rams have a really big advantage running the ball since Arizona struggles to stop the run and their preferred formation for running the ball. I think I would like the Rams if they get a lead to be able to continue running the ball because then that sort of just like plays right into their strength and Arizona's weakness throughout the rest of the game. So it might be a situation where I don't place any bets other than this Henderson prop before the game, but you know, maybe if, you know, late in the second quarter, as we get towards halftime, if the Rams are holding a lead, maybe that's a good opportunity to just live bet the Rams. Um, So long as, you know, uh, it's a relatively close game. So obviously if they jump out to a huge lead, there probably isn't any value, but you know, if they're leading by a field goal or a touchdown or so, you know, around halftime, that could be a good situation where you live bet the game thinking that they're just going to be able to run the ball down Arizona's throat in the second half, because as I said, their weak, their Arizona's weakness perfectly matches up with the Rams strength. So that's a, that could potentially be a big advantage for the Rams in the second half if they're holding a lead. Let's jump now to Thursday night football. We got Steelers at the Vikings. Vikings favored by three and a half in this matchup. I don't necessarily have any strong feelings about this game, although I, I will touch on it a little bit at the end of this conversation. But I'm going to start out by giving out the prop that I like in this game. And it's the over on Justin Jefferson's receiving yards, which is at 90 and a half. That's the highest number of Jefferson's season. And it's actually already dropped slightly. It opened at 93 and a half. Some places it's dropped down to 92 and a half. Some places it's available at 90 and a half, uh, some places as well. So obviously go shopping around a little bit, uh, try to find the best number there. Uh, that makes me think that, that since they're setting it at the highest number that he's had all season, they're kind of enticing you to take the under, uh, which, you know, I, I think this is a good matchup for him. So I was already leaning over, but seeing that makes me feel even more confident. It seems like Vegas is maybe trying to get you to take the under on this. Um, and it has a lot to do with, you know, this is just a perfect matchup of what the Vikings like to do on offense versus what the Steelers are weak at on defense. The Steelers ranked 28th in completion percentage allowed at 10 or more yards downfield at 55.7%. Justin Jefferson leads the league in targets per game at 10 or more yards downfield at 5.7 per game. He's the only player in the league averaging more than five targets at that depth. So, you know, this is what the Vikings like to do. They like taking shots downfield, and it's the biggest weakness of the Steelers' defense. And we've seen some players in recent weeks really take advantage of this weakness in the Steelers' defense. Just two weeks ago, 
T, T. Higgins had six receptions at 10 or more yards downfield for 114 yards. Three weeks ago, Keenan Allen had five receptions for 87 yards on targets of 10 or more yards downfield. So we've seen a number of players in recent weeks take advantage of this. You know, this is exactly what the Vikings want to do. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't just come out and immediately start taking shots downfield with Justin Jefferson. He could potentially have a huge game. He could go way over this. And obviously he has done that many times this season. Um, And this just seems like the perfect opportunity for them to just pick on a weak Steelers defense because the Steelers defense obviously has strengths in other areas. So if what you like to do, which is throwing downfield, matches up with one of the only big weaknesses on the other team's defense, why wouldn't you lean into that right off the bat? So as I said, Jefferson is seeing 5.7 targets per game at 10 or more yards downfield. Given the fact that the Vikings might struggle offensively in some other areas, I would expect that number to rise a little bit in this game because, you know, it's something that you do well, it's something that they don't do well. Why not just keep going back to it over and over again? Now, this is this is what Minnesota wants to do. It's Pittsburgh's biggest weakness. Does this lead us towards taking Minnesota in this game? As I said, they're favored by three and a half. I'd like it more if it were under three for, for sure. Um, but if I had to pick a side, I'm definitely leaning towards the Vikings. I'm, I'm, I would definitely not consider the Steelers in this situation. Uh, partially because of this matchup, I think it's very possible that uh, Minnesota just has you know a field day throwing downfield against a struggling Steelers deep secondary. Another factor, though, is we've got a 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger on a short week. What does that look like? I don't know. We haven't seen Roethlisberger on Thursday night since 2018, so we don't really have an idea of how this is going to affect him. But Roethlisberger is always banged up at the end of the season. So I certainly have doubts about what kind of shape he's going to be in, even if there's nothing you know, obviously wrong with him on the injury report. He's less than 100% because he's Ben Roethlisberger. And basically after week one, he's less than 100%. And by week 14, you know, I don't, I don't know how to put a number on it, but you know, it's, it's not close to hundred percent because that's just who he's been throughout his career. And so on a short week, I just have a lot of doubts about what kind of shape he's going to be in. It's, it's certainly possible that, you know, he struggles in this game. So, I, you know, that's just a hunch. I, I don't know if it's enough to make me actually go and place a bet, but if I were going to say that I'm leaning one side or the other, uh, given the fact that I think Minnesota is going to have a lot of success throwing downfield, and that's obviously what they prefer to do um, on offense, and I have some doubts about what kind of shape Roethlisberger is going to be in on a short week, I would certainly lean taking the Vikings minus three and a half in this matchup. That's all we've got for this week's pod. Thanks for joining us again. Hope you all have a fun and profitable week 14. We'll see you next week. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.